Auto Line Daily is brought to you by Bridgestone, passion for excellence. Dow Automotive Systems, improving durability and increasing design flexibility with Betamate structural adhesives at DowBetamate.com. And by Hyundai. Experience the 2011 Hyundai Sonata today at HyundaiSonata.com. This is AutoLine Daily for January 24th, 2011. And now the news. Who's got the bragging rights as the biggest car company in the world? Well, despite all its problems with recalls and slipping market share, Toyota is still number one with production of 8.4 million vehicles last year. That includes its affiliates Daihatsu and Hino. General Motors was a close second with sales of 8.3 million. Volkswagen came in third with sales of 7.1 million. That's according to Bloomberg. The real interesting number will be who comes in fourth place? Will it be Ford or Hyundai Kia? We ought to know soon, but so far they have not reported their global sales for 2010. Some automotive news came out of the deal U.S. President Obama struck with Chinese President Hu Jintao. General Motors announced a deal with its Chinese joint venture, Shanghai GM, to export $900 million in Cadillac, Chevrolet, and Buick vehicles and components to China over the next two years. And you've got to wonder if the Chevy Volt might be part of that deal. GM could double production capacity for the Volt by next year. According to Bloomberg, GM's original goal was to hit 60,000 units by 2012. Now the company's working with suppliers to hit 120,000 units. Also, this year production may jump to 25,000 units from an original plan of 10,000. GM says it wants to be prepared if the price of gas skyrockets. GM might formally announce its plans at this week's Washington Auto Show. But while GM is cranking up electric car production, others are having problems getting going, thanks to government bureaucracy. In September of 2008, the U.S. government approved a $25 billion loan program to help automakers, suppliers, and startup car companies create fuel-efficient vehicles. But since that time, only four loans for $8.5 billion have been awarded. Companies and Congress are fed up with the delays. According to the Detroit News, the Energy Department has received over 100 applications for over $42 billion. Congress complained to the department that the process is difficult and that it's missing deadlines for approval. In the meantime, some projects have collapsed and other companies are barely hanging on, hoping to receive grants in time. But it's not just the startups that are having trouble. GM and Chrysler are also waiting to be approved for loans. The Energy Department says it's now on track to award loans more quickly. But you know, all this makes me wonder if it's just government bureaucracy holding things up or if the government realizes some of these projects just are not feasible. Just as Fiat is about to start selling the Cinquecento in the American market, it's also about to start selling a version of the Dodge Journey in Europe. Only, in this case, it's going to be called the Fiat Fremont. As you can see from these pictures, about the only thing they changed visually on this vehicle is putting the Fiat badge on the grill. But under the hood, the Fremont will get a 2-liter diesel with either 140 or 170 horsepower, depending on the application. It will go on sale in the second half of this year, and later, a 4x4 version equipped with Chrysler's Pentastar V6 will be available. 
And speaking of badge engineering, Subaru is going to start selling this vehicle called the Trezia in Europe. But it's nothing more than a Toyota Verso with a Subaru grille bolted onto it. Both vehicles will be sold in Europe and Japan, which is a big mistake when it comes to badge engineering. At least Fiat and Chrysler are going to keep their badge engineering efforts separated by the Atlantic Ocean. And while you might be forgiven if you think that the Kia Picanto is just a badge engineered version of the Ford Fiesta, that's not the case. Interestingly, the Picanto is powered by a one-liter, three-cylinder engine, and there's three versions of it, gasoline, flex-fuel, and bi-fuel. When equipped with stop-start technology in Europe, the car will produce between 90 and 100 grams of CO2 per 100 kilometers, meaning it will qualify for emissions-based tax savings where applicable. Coming up next, we'll take a look at the updated Jeep Compass. Introducing Bridgestone's third generation of run-flat tires with groundbreaking new Bridgestone technologies. Bridgestone run-flat tires offer improved ride comfort, lower rolling resistance, and improved wear while giving you the peace of mind and comfort you need. Chrysler is scrambling to make up for lost time. During the Cerberus years, its products were left to wither. But now we're finally starting to see what Sergio and his crew have been up to for the past year or so. With another look at some of its refreshed product, here's Craig Cole. The Jeep Compass gets a thorough redesign for 2011, and it looks a lot like its big brother, the Grand Cherokee. But more importantly than that, it can act like its big brother too. You can take this thing off-road just about anywhere, like the Grand Teton Mountains right here in Wyoming. And whether it was blazing a trail through the woods, dashing up snow-covered hills, or slogging its way over rough terrain, there was very little the Compass couldn't tackle. For 2011, it gets trail rated just like the rest of Jeep's lineup. Sure, it can't do everything a Wrangler can, but its off-road performance is pretty impressive given its compact car roots. You can get a, a Jeep Compass with a CVT2L, so the 19 to 1 crawl ratio. With, the, with that fascia that you get on the off-road package, you can get uh, improved breakover angle. We also raised the car up by an inch. So what it's done is it's taken a car that was pretty capable in its form before, but now it's given it the look to match it as well as a little bit more ground clearance to, to do a little bit more. And what I think people will find when they drive it is it may look just like a little old vehicle, but it's very capable. I mean, it's, it's, it can do everything that you would expect this vehicle to do. And in this segment, there's nothing that can compare. Beyond its mountain goat capability, the Compass gets many other upgrades. The most obvious one is its new front end, which makes it look like a baby grand. The two even share the exact same headlamp assemblies. Inside, it gets Jeep's new corporate steering wheel, and that's not a bad thing, soft plastics on the door panels and on the center armrest, plus powertrain refinements to cut down on NVH. But that's not all. There's more to this refresh than meets the eye. Uh, so on the powertrain, we've got the, the 2 liter and the 2.4 liter. You can get up to 29 miles per gallon as properly equipped. Uh, we've done some improvements in um, in fuel economy, up to two miles per gallon on the highway in some packages, and we've done some improvements in uh, performance as well. We've seen about um, a half a second to three quarters of a second improvement just by doing some refinement in the calibration of the engine itself. Despite all of these upgrades, the Compass is still far from perfect. 
The 2011 model is all around better than last year's version, but it still needs work. If nothing else though, it's at least worthy of consideration now, which puts it miles ahead of where it was before. Thanks for that report, Craig. And that's today's report for the top news in the global automotive industry. Thanks for watching. We'll see you tomorrow.